which is, again, on the top of the Tanya, page 26, and the English Tanya is on the bottom. You said it's 37? Yes. Said? Okay, chapter 9. Um, chapter 9 really begins, um, it, it's, really, well, it's really the culmination of something that's been going on since the beginning of Tanya. So let's give a quick backdrop, especially since in a couple of weeks since Daniel, right? So we did it in your house a couple of times, actually. Remember? Yeah. No, more than once. Just once. Like three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think twice. We have better memory cells. Whatever it is. We're not going to charge you for it. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. So um, let's, let's give a little background here. So I'm, I'm going to run through things. In, in the first chapter of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, as you know, he threw us a number of questions and pointers that made us understand that the concept of what's a tzaddik and what's a bainani um, is not as simple as we might think. And that he uh, really he, he, uh, talks about a tzaddik and two levels of tzaddik and two levels of Russia and the intermediate person. And he makes us understand that being a tzaddik is a lot more than just not doing anything wrong. There's something much deeper to it than that. So that was really the opener of Tanya. And then, towards the end of chapter one, he brings the statement on which Tanya is going to be based, and that is from Chaim Vital, the, the, the successor of, to the uh, Arizal, and the one who wrote all the Arizal's Torah. And he says that every person has two souls, a godly soul and an animal soul. That was the important opening statement in the end of chapter one, that there's two souls within every year. Now. The next chapters are devoted to analyzing the two souls. Really, chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5 are devoted to the godly soul. In chapter 2, we talked about the makeup of the godly soul, the essence of the godly soul, how it's a part of Hashem, and how every different type of person, um, even though you have many different levels of people, but essentially they're all part of Hashem, and they all have the part, that godly soul within them. Chapter 3, we talked about the soul powers, the ten soul powers of the godly soul. Chapter 4, we talked about the garments of the godly soul, the thought, speech, and deed. And in chapter 5, about Torah and mitzvahs of the godly soul. So that was, those four chapters, 2, 3, 4, and 5, were devoted to the godly soul. The next three chapters, 6, 7, and 8, were devoted to the animal soul. And in the last number of chapters, we talked a lot about different types of klipa, different levels of impurity that there are in this world. Primarily, we talked about klipas noga versus... Someone to No, Klipas Noga versus the other side is Shalosh Klipas Atmeis. Right. right? Klipas Noga being the middle Klipas, so to speak, the intermediary, which can go either way. We talked about, a lot about food or, or really any mundane activity. That it's up to us to make it godly or, or leave it in um, non-godly areas. Um, and then there is the three negative Klipas, which is everything that's forbidden in this world. And we talked about the fact that the, that the animal soul within every, within every yid comes from the middle klipa called klipas noga. Our vitality, the way we live, the way we feel, our natural feelings, our natural desires are all klipas noga. It's up to us, what are we going to do with them? Because we have a natural tendency um, to be of um, happiness. It's up to us how to use that happiness. We have a natural tendency that we look for pleasure. It's up to us what we're going to find pleasure in. We have a natural tendency of giving, loving, uh, anger, all these things. It's up to us which way are we going to express them. That's the animal soul. So really, we're at beginning of chapter 9. We have eight chapters of Tanya behind us. Um, and if next week is talking the last week of the, of the uh, season, so we have to, we're giving the test then, right? <laughs> I 
I hope I just didn't destroy the possibility of anyone coming. <laughs> but so we have, we have eight chapters of Tanya behind us. And really what we have is the basic picture of the godly soul, how it works, what it's made up of, the garments of the soul, the animal soul, how it works, its tendencies, its feelings, and so on. Chapter 9 starts the battle between the two souls. Because that's where we're headed. Um, that's where I'm holding. <laughs> that's where we're all holding. That's where, aside, there's only two types of people that don't experience the battle between the two souls every day. The, the tzaddik gomer and the rasha gomer. The most complete form of tzaddik, as we're going to learn, is someone who doesn't battle anymore. Because the animal soul is gone. It became totally godly. Um, that's the most complete form of tzaddik. And the most complete form of Russia is someone that the godly soul has been banished. So he doesn't battle either. There's no battle. But anyone who's not on the far right or the far left, the extreme right and the extreme left, which is the vast, vast majority of people, are going to experience the battle of the souls on a daily, on a daily basis. Now, some more, some less, some battles we overcome, some we don't, some we get better at, but the concept is going to be there. So chapter 9 is the chapter that zooms right into that battle. And that's where we begin tonight. Great name for a festival. Battle of the Souls. Great name for what? A music festival. Okay. So in that music festival, you probably have Hasidic music and other kinds of music. Right, right. <laughs> and that's the Battle okay. of the Souls. Perik test chapter 9. Hine, Mokoim Mishkon Nefesh HaBahamis Shemiklipas Noigam. The place where the animal soul that comes from that middle klipa, the place where it rests within the person, b'choli shisrael in every Jewish person, who believe is in the heart. The heart, which is the seat of emotions and desire and passion, is the headquarters of the animal soul within a person. Our desires are primarily, naturally animalistic. And that's where the animal soul lives. Believe in the heart, in the left ventricle of the heart, which is filled with blood. We know the heart is, uh, is always pumping out blood, and it's always the blood circulation, it's in the heart. Uksiv, the Pasik says, that the soul is in the blood. And that's referring to the animal soul, the vital soul, the soul on which we live. Velochainan is for this reason. That kol hataivos, all of the various different types of desires, vihispirus, hispirus means boastfulness, right? Exactly. Vikas, anger, vidoimehen, and all these there are like all the different midos that are like this. Whether they're desire, whether they're boastfulness, whether they're anger, hein belev, they're all seated in the heart. Umehalev hein mispashtois bechol haguf, the heart. Comes into the whole body. Comes everywhere. Because everything is inspired by the desire of the heart. Right? If I really want something, my feet get moving, my hands get moving, uh, my eyes perk up, my ears perk up. When, it, when I really desire something, the power of desire is very powerful, it's very strong. And it can get everything moving, get everything going. So if the, if the animal soul is rooted in the heart of a person, in the emotions of the person, those emotions then spread to the entire body. Vigam. And also, it also ascends to the mind in the head. To think about these things that I desire. And to use my seichel, use my chachma, 
in order for me to fulfill the desires that I have. Just like the blood. The blood begins in the heart, but it's pumped from the heart everywhere. Kamosha Hadam, Mikore Belev, just like the um, the blood that's rooted in the heart, Mehalev, Mispashit Lachol Ha'ivorim, from the heart, it spreads to all the different limbs of the body, Vigam Oyle Lahamoyach Shebirosh, and also ascends to the mind of the head. So in a way, the truth is every human being excuse me, has two central parts. There's the heart. What's the other central, centermost part of a person? Is the mind, the brain. The heart is the seat of emotion. The brain is the seat of intellect. Which controls the person? Both. Well, really both. Intellect. Really, a person is controlled intellectually. But in many, many ways, what seems to be controlling us is our desires, our passions. Many times our intellect is merely a servant to our desire. You know, I want something, so I use my head, I use all my intellect in order to help me get or acquire or feel that which I'm looking for. So sometimes it turns out that my, my uh, intellect is a servant to my emotions. But sometimes... But really the heart because there's heart transplants. Does someone have different feelings towards things when there's a new heart? Uh, is it the physical heart or the content? It's a good question, and I don't know the answer to the question. You know how it works exactly. For sure, it's, it, it would seem to be more conceptual, and the heart is the blood, and the blood is the highest. Um, your point is well taken. I don't know what to tell you. There's, is there brain transplants? Mm-hmm. Not yet. Not They're yet. Trying to do something. Where they move ahead to the blood? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's this year? Yeah, it's crazy. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. In yeshiva, we try sometimes. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but. Uh, the point is, so it's a good question. I, 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 I don't know the answer to the question. But, but there is, again, emotions and intellect. In, on one level, the heart is the leader. What I want, everything is a servant to what I want. And that's where the animal soul of a person is rooted. Because the, the, seat, the, uh, the essence of the animal soul is desire, is want. And that's why, maybe I'm ahead of myself a little bit in Tanya, but that's why... Is, is desire necessarily bad? No. Desire can be excellent. Passion can be one excellent. The world wouldn't reproduce if you didn't have. Right, desire. but you know, all and there could be desire to anything. It's up to me. What am I going to do with the desire? But the animal soul is looking for animalistic desire, pleasure. Whatever will make it happy, it will go. It's important to understand: is the animal soul bad? Mm-mm. No. Is an animal bad? No. All it wants is take care of itself, have a good time. It's not bad. It's not godly, it's not selfless, but it's not bad. It's not looking to do averos, for example. Does an animal soul have anything against mitzvahs? Well, it depends which ones. But there's some mitzvahs the animal soul loves, like eating, <laughs> eating, which is like we do it all the time for Shabbos and for Yom Tov and whatever. The animal soul has no problem with Shabbos meals, the cholent, great. So it's it's important to remember. That's why people sometimes confuse the concept of the animal soul and the yetsar hara. It's not really the same thing. Yetsar hara is a power of bad. Animal souls is a power of desire, of desire, of want, and then naturally, its desires are animalistic, and therefore it's rooted in the heart. And from the heart, it sends out its feelings and desires to the rest of the body, and tries to get the rest of the body on, on its. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, trying to get the rest of the body to serve and fulfill its desire. That's the end. Let's look at the other side of the... Wait, th- real fast. 
but the animal soul, are the negative thoughts intrinsic or do they come from another source? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where do our cravings or our desires come from that are rooted in negative? Is it ourselves when we're born or is it coming from another place? You know what I mean? It's a very, very, very good question. So a little bit we discussed it earlier, and that is being that the animal soul of a Jew comes from that middle klipa called klipas noga. So the natural desires of the Jewish animal soul are permissible physical desires. Not Averis. Because the animal soul of a Yid on its own wouldn't want to do Averis. Okay. Because it's not from that level of klipa, the three negative klipas. But, as you said, we can bring into ourselves all different types of negative influences and drag ourselves down. That's really up to us. But naturally, it is actually okay. Naturally, it's the power of not godly, not forbidden desire. Right? Which is most things in the world. Right? It's not forbidden. It's not godly. I just want to do it because I have a good time. That's the animal scene. Well, I, I like in Shema how it talks about um, if you aren't concentrating on your tzitzis, um, then your heart, I think your heart and your eyes... Uh, will lead you astray. They'll lead you to bad. So, so it's interesting that it doesn't say that it may. It says that, unless I'm translating it wrong. Well, literally what it says is, do not stray after your eyes and your heart, that naturally you will stray after them. In other words, we have eyes, we walk around in the street, we see all different types of things, and that, that those things will lead a person one step to, leads to the next naturally, to desiring that which I see. And we don't live in a spiritual and holy world. So we live in a world that, that is going to challenge us with all different types of desires. So if we don't, um, if we don't restrain ourselves, yeah, we're going to go down that path. Right? That's correct. Okay? Let's look at the, at the godly soul. You know, about, about ten lines into the chapter, the first word of the line, Shebarosh. Then there's a period. Ah, however... Where is the place that the godly soul rests? That's the other end of the spectrum. The godly soul lives in the mind. And from the mind, it spreads to all the limbs. And also to the heart. In the right side of the heart. Which doesn't have blood or that amount of blood. Ukameshakasav, as the Pasik says, Lev Chacham Liyaminoi. The um, where's this Pasik? Is that in is that in Mishli? And anyone has in the English Tanya the footnotes? As it says that the heart of the wise man is to his right side. Kehelis, thank you. Kehelis, also from Slaimamak. So what is he telling us here? Very important idea. Does the godly soul have midos, have feelings, passion, desire? For sure. Does the animal soul have intellect? For sure. What's the difference? The difference is who's the leader and who's the follower. That's the whole difference between a godly soul and an animal soul. An animal soul starts from desire. Now, not once there is desire, I'm going to use everything in order to get that desire, including intellect. And that's why, again, I'll use... Uh, let's go to animals for a second. Do animals have intellect? Yeah, right? Yeah. Does anyone know? Animal, well, they hunt, right? They hunt using intellect, and then they try to save themselves from hunters. They use their intellect. So animals have intellect too. What's the difference between an animal intellect and human intellect? 
theirs is driven by their emotions? The animal intellect is driven by emotion. I want to save my life. Instinct. So because I have instincts, I want to save my life, so therefore I use my intellect to get here, go there, so on. But it's emotion driven. The animal doesn't sit down and say, let's analyze and see you know, biology. It doesn't sit down to discuss intellect. Intellect is emotion driven. The human has the ability to sit down and think, and through that to create emotions. So both have intellect, both have emotions. The question is, what's the leader and what's the follower? What's the servant and what's the master? So the animal soul, the master is feeling, the, ma- the master is desire, the master is the heart. And it will use its intellect in order to implement, in order to, uh, to, to fulfill what the desire of the heart is. And the godly soul, the master is the mind. And we learn, we learn about Hashem, we learn about what the world is about, we learn about what we're here for, and through that we create feelings. And feelings are very important in Avedas Hashem when, they, when they're created and led through intellect. And that's what he says here, Vihi Avas Hashem. First word on the line is Hashem. This, the, the feelings of the godly soul are the love of Hashem, Kirishpe Shal Heves. You know, there's different levels of love of Hashem. There's, you know, I like Hashem. And then there's a burning, raging, so to speak, love that one is able to feel for Hashem. Mislaheves, that's flaming. Believe masculine. In the heart of those who understand and think. That they think and they, they reflect and meditate with their wisdom in their brain. Bidvarim hama'irim esa'ava and things that awaken the love for Hashem. And that's really something that probably most people don't, maybe don't even know exists. But the concept of, of meditating and reflecting on Hashem in a way that should help a person actually have a feeling of love for Hashem or fear of Hashem. So is that why it says, Because the Ava is in the late. But the way to get there is from the seichel. In other words, love is not a intellect; it's an emotion. But you know, the, the, the famous question is: There's a mitzvah to love Hashem. How do you start loving Hashem? Choose to love. Choosing to love is that enough to start loving? So Rambam writes: How do I start loving Hashem? By thinking, by using my mind, by thinking about Hashem and thinking what Hashem gives me, thinking about the gifts of Hashem. And the more we spend time thinking about it and reflecting on it, the more we're able to create that feeling of love which is really the reason we have Shema is like the center of the avenue, right? But before Shema, we say all the Pesukit Zimra and Ashri and Baruch Sha'amar and everything. Why are we saying all that? Why are we saying paragraphs and paragraphs on the avenue? So really the reason is because we're, we're trying to awaken that feeling, stimulate that feeling, so that when we get to Shema and we say, yeah, it's not just words like, let me start loving Hashem. I just talked about the greatness of Hashem and the beauty of Hashem, what Hashem gives me in a relationship. And that is supposed to create some level of feeling. The more one invests in that, the more, more one is able to feel that. So, he says, and not just love. There's another feeling that one can have from their closeness to Hashem, aside from love. Any thoughts? Yeah. Okay, fear, but that's not what he's going to talk about right now. Simcha. When you really love something or someone, what happens when you get close to them? You're happy. Why are you happy? Because I'm close to that which I enjoy. Take a person loves, fill in the blank, music. Person loves music. 
and you put them in this great symphony, they're, they're loving it. They enjoy every minute because I'm in a place where I love. person loves art, and you take them to the art museum, art museum or the Louvre or whatever. So it's good. Everyone, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're able to experience that which you love, that brings you tremendous simcha. So a person who really loves Hashem and then is able to learn Torah, do a mitzvah, daven, is able to feel very besimcha from that. As he says, he says here in five lines to the bottom, V'chein simchas levav, the same as the simcha of the heart, b'tif eres Hashem v'hadar go'inoi. When one thinks about the beauty of Hashem and His greatness, kasher e'nei ha'chochom asher b'roishen. When the, the mind's eye, the, the eyes of the, of the wise man who, which are in his head, through his wisdom and understanding, are able to gaze at the glory of the king and his beauty, which is limitless, without any end, as explained elsewhere. So that's another mida, another emotion that the godly soul is working on. And similarly, with all of the other holy midas in the heart, all come from wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in the mind. So what do we have here? So basically, he told us he's, um, he's mapping out the war. There's the headquarters of the God, godly soul and headquarters of the animal soul. God, the godly soul is headquartered where? Mind. The animal soul is in the heart. And each one... Each one is trying to get the other over, right? The, the animal soul from the heart is trying to get the mind and everything else. The godly soul in the mind is trying to get the heart inspired. Now, there's one problem. Everything would work wonderfully. You know, the godly soul is in the mind and the animal soul is in the heart. So everything should be, should be a peaceful life. But it doesn't work that way. They're in a constant state of friction. Where do we have the first place in Chumash that that friction is discussed very beautifully? Excellent. We have Ula'im Mila'im Ya'amuts. What happens? Rivka. Rivka, our mother Rivka, Rivka Imenu finally becomes pregnant. And she's having this constant war going on inside of her. And she goes to the Pasik says, She went to the Yeshiva of Shem and Aver, and she says, What's going on? And what does he tell? He says, You have two totally different types of nations that are coming forth from you. And the way that they are is that they don't coexist. The words of the Pasuk are, which literally means, when one is stronger, the other is down. When one, the other is stronger, he's down. They're in a constant state of wrestling match. Who's going to win? They never coexist. Why don't they coexist? Because they're opposites in nature. One is, God, is, is God-centered and one is self-centered. And therefore they can't just say, okay, you know what, let's be best friends. We'll both work out. Within our heart, there's that struggle. And that's what he begins describing. This month's mazel is Zugim, Gemini. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's Sivan. Sivan is, uh, the aspect is twins. Interesting. Interesting. I heard that's one of the reasons why they, they had Matan Torah in this month is because when, when two Jews are able to not be one above the other, but to come together. together. Very beautiful. That is what it's... Rosh Chedr Sivan is the whole capital of Achtos, right? Nice. The last words on the page 26. It says, 
that these two kingdoms are in a state of one overcoming the other. Mm. The Gemara calls a body a small city. Right? Because like, there's a city out there. Everybody is really a small city. Just like if you have two kings, two rulers, that are battling over a city. This is a, a Tanya metaphor. You have, you have a city uh, and, and two kings are fighting over it. Each one wants to conquer and be the king. What does it mean to be the king of a city? Each one wants to lead the inhabitants of the city according to his will. And that all the inhabitants of the city should follow his reign. Whatever he commands. So I don't know, do we have nowadays situations where you have a city that's contested by two kings who want to run the city? Well, Syria. Syria is a city? No, same. Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe this is a bad example, but we had not so long ago elections in America. And you had two, not kings, but two leaders that each one wants to run the show. And each one doesn't see eye to eye with the other, and each one wants that I should run the show myself. Right? So, says the Alter Rebbe, that story is going on within ourselves also. We're one body. We have one mind, we have one heart, we have one set of hands, one set of feet, but we have two totally different entities that are fighting for control within ourselves. As he explains, he says, in the same way the two souls, Ho'alikis, the godly one, and the animal vital soul, Shemeha Klipa, that comes from the powers of Klipa, are in this constant state of battle, one with the other, Al Haguf. Over the body, v'chole, v'arev, and all of us limbs. What do they want? What does the godly soul want from my body? What does the animal soul want from my body? So he starts. Shaho elikis, the godly soul, chefza uritzayna, its will and desire. Shetehei hi levada hamisheles olav umanhi gosay. The godly soul wants that it alone should be the ruler and the leader of the body. V'chol ha'ivarim and all the limbs, yihiyu, sarim limashmata, ubetelim esla legamri. The godly soul wants that all the limbs of the body should be, should follow its reign, should be nullified to it, umerkava ilehom, and that every aspect of my body should be a vehicle for my godly soul. Tall order. That's what my godly soul wants. What is my godly soul looking for? Godliness. To serve Hashem. Torah, mitzvahs. And my godly soul would like my hand to be on board, and my foot to be on board, and my eyes to be on board, and my ear to be on board, and my lips to be on board, and that everything should be totally subservient to the godly soul. That's the godly soul's only wish. That my body should be a, a uh, garment for the ten components of the soul that we discussed earlier, and the three garments of the soul that we discussed that every aspect of the godly soul should be enclosed in the limbs of the body. Mm. 
and the body should be totally filled only with the godly soul and the godly energy. And that no foreigner. no foreigner should pass through. Godless soul doesn't want some, you know, a couple of averas here, a couple of averas there, a couple of sinful thoughts or sinful actions here or there. Godless soul doesn't want that. Godless soul wants full control. It almost sounds like uh, he's making the godless soul sound really tough. But that's the godless soul wants. It understands that that's the superiority. That's what life is for, to live for Hashem and to serve Hashem and to enjoy them. And he would like that my goof should be 100% in sync with godliness. And in fact, in some people, he wins. By who? Where does he totally win? A tzaddik. A tzaddik is someone who the godly soul won, the animal soul is banished, and the godly soul is his city. And the goof is just a totally holy person, and a holy person is a holy person. That's the will of the godly soul. But he continues. The hainu, tlas moichin shebarosh, the three, um, the three parts of the mind, which are, which are the uh, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. In other words, the godly soul wants me to think about one thing. What, about, what should I use my head for? If the godly soul has its way, what am I going to use my head for? Thinking about the greatness of Hashem. And learning Torah. And thinking how to help another person to do mitzvahs. But not, not to think about some things uh, that are silly or worse than silly. And why would I use my head for any of that? She Hashem, the wisdom of Hashem, will be the understanding of Hashem, and to meditate in the greatness of Hashem, that's limitless. And it wants to create through thinking about godliness. through the power of das of, of, of connection. The godly soul is looking for the fear of Hashem in the mind and in the heart. Like a burning flame, have us, like again, those burning fires, that one should always feel that desire, that I want to connect, that I want to come closer, with love and desire, to connect to Hashem, with my whole heart and my whole soul and everything. From the depths of one's heart, when the Alter Rebbe writes, you, you get a sense of his love of Hashem. The Alter Rebbe, is, the Alter Rebbe was, was famous for, like when he would daven, he didn't know anything that was going on around him, nothing at all. And he would get so um, wrapped up in his davening that sometimes he would jump and dance. And sometimes he would bang into the walls and he would start gushing blood. It's the Alter Rebbe, the author of Tanya. And this became a big concern because when he started gushing blood, he didn't realize. He was, too, he was davening. And what they had to ultimately do, they had to pad the walls. They had to pad the walls around where the altar ever davened, because when he davened, he had no feeling of anything going on around him. And he would, you know, with his, uh, he say, swing with his hands and whatever, and, and he would bang himself and hurt himself. So they ultimately had to pad his walls. I think they have to, they have to do that nowadays in some types of houses also, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not typically in most shuls. But this in the altar shul, that was what, the, that's what he had to do. So he was able to, these, all these different expressions of love and, and, and desire and, and burning passion for Hashem that he discusses in Tanya, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't just you know, nice, nice words. This is what he felt. And this is what the godly soul wants all of us to feel. This is, even though to us it sounds a little bit distant to be able to feel that type of level of Abbas Hashem. But that's the godly soul would love. 
Do does the go- godly soul mature over time? On a pastor water. Good question. Meaning, thank you. If you actually, you know, focus in on it versus the animalistic soul, and it's starting to gain power, so to speak, um, does it mature into something else over time? I mean, yes, our personality is mature, you know, but does it change over a course of time? Do you mean does it? Does it receive almost more godliness by focusing in on godliness? Yeah. So that in it changes words, into in a other different... Words, we, we have the ability to strengthen our godly soul. Right, but then does it actually change somehow, so to speak? Do you know what I'm saying? It could. It could. It's, it's right. It's, like, are you given different parts of access over time based yeah. on... The answer is yes. The answer is yes. It says that through Avoda, through one working on himself... You're able to open up new channels of energy in your godly soul that otherwise were concealed. Yeah, it definitely says that. Okay. Um, like just like everything, when you work on it, you're able to develop new strength and right. new abilities. Just like uh, muscle, if, you, yeah. if you exercise, so you're suddenly able to do things that you can never do a year earlier because you pushed yourself to it. And godliness is no different. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. She says. He's still he's describing the love of the godly soul. He says, Miumkadaliba, the first word of the line is Miumkadaliba from the depths of the heart, in the right side of the heart. That the that the heart should be filled with love. Male fill the godush. You know what the word godush means? Godush means to be overfilled, which is heaped. And he's he's gonna say something very beautiful. Now. I want to explain it, then we'll see it inside. Ultimately, what the godly soul really wants is not only that the godly soul should love Hashem, but that the love of the godly soul should spill over into the animal soul. And here is a very interesting idea. Our our godly soul loves Hashem. That's what he loves. What does our animal soul love? So, what? Food. Food, let's say. Okay, well, we'll start with food. But interestingly, the, does the animal soul just stuck on loving food? Physicality. Okay, but what does a little child love, a one-year-old? Having fun. Toys. What? Toys. And a five-year-old? Money. Different toys. A 10-year-old? Different toys. 15-year-old? Right? What, what's happening? Our animal soul also matures. That's what I'm maturing. And suddenly what it loved, you know, try giving a 10-year-old for a birthday present when you give a five-year-old. No, good luck. It's not going to work. And a 15-year-old is a whole different present because the animal soul matures. The godly soul has a mission. The godly soul's mission is to get my animal soul to mature to the level that it should love godliness. Is that possible? I would think that the animal soul loves God and it's doing what it's instructed to do. Meaning? Um, Meaning, we, the Hashem said, evil inclination, whatever it is, this is your job. And he goes, whatever you say. Okay, G- well said, well said. What you just said is true, but it's only true in the source of my animal soul. In other words, my little animal soul in me doesn't necessarily know this, doing what Hashem asked it to do. Um, it has a source where it comes from that created it, and there's a reason why it was created but it itself is just a, a power of passion and desire that I have. The passion and desire that I have doesn't know why it has passion and desire. And it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. But without being um, reprogrammed, its passion and desire is physically uh, directed. 
Now, interestingly, in Sh- you mentioned it before Shema. In Shema, where it says the mitzvah to love Hashem, it says to love Hashem, Bechal Levavcha. And the Gemara says that grammatically it should have said, Bechal Libcha, with one base, with all your heart. Why does it say with two bases, Levavcha, as if it says with both of your hearts? With both the godly and animal soul. Which means that a person has the ability, and this is a very important thing to, to understand, probably the most important part of this chapter to understand. A person has the ability to transform their pleasure and desire. That their pleasure and desire should be in doing a mitzvah, in learning Torah. I don't, even if though I have an animal soul, even if I'm not going to be a tzaddik, I do have the ability to train myself and mature my desires to be more spiritually oriented. Just like a child that used to love um, Legos, then loves a bicycle, and then loves a computer, and then it keeps on going, we could keep that going and start loving a mitzvah and Torah also, with our animal soul. Because our animal soul can be brought to understand the value, the beauty of something more spiritual. Just like you say a person can develop a taste and love for music. Right? Get, bring a little child into a symphony, an orchestra, and say, it's, it's a waste of time. But you can develop a taste. You can develop a taste for music. You can develop a taste for wine. For wine. You can develop right? certain things that the first time you may have tasted it were disgusting to you, and then you can develop a taste for it. So you can also develop a taste for spirituality and for holiness. The, I'm talking about the animal soul, not the godly soul. The godly soul doesn't have to develop a taste for godliness. The godly soul loves godliness. But the animal soul can be brought to a state of maturity where he starts appreciating and enjoying Torah, a mitzvah, uh, and Hashem. And that's the ultimate game plan of the godly soul. The godly soul doesn't only want that it should love Hashem and it should feel that yearning and passionate desire. It wants that it should spill over into the animal soul. And that's what he's saying in these words. He says, and going back, I just read, Those are the last words on the line. The godly soul wants that his heart should be filled with love. Malay filled the godush and to spill over to the extent that it's able to spread even to the left side of the heart. To suppress the klipa, the sitra which is the foundation of the negative waters of it. You might remember from about a year ago, well, 10 months ago, when we learned the end of chapter 1. And he said that in the animal soul, there's the power of water. What was the power of water in the animal soul? Taiva. The power of taiva. Ten points. Right? So the power of desire. So the animal soul on its own, that desire is is physical. But the godly soul would like to use its water to transform the animal soul's water. That the animal soul should also see and enjoy the, the enjoyment of a relationship with Hashem. That's saying that the that the animal soul's waters can't extinguish the godly souls. Now we're taking that a step further. That the godly soul water wants to replace the animal soul water. Which is the power of taiva, of desire from klipa. To change it or to transform it. From the tainu, from the pleasures of the physical, la'av as Hashem to the love of Hashem. 
Kamashikasim, as it says, we mentioned before in Shema, Bechal Levavcha, with both of your hearts, Bishnei Yitzrecha, with the two inclinations. I was talking to the students in Yeshiva on Shavuos about, um, about learning Torah. And you know, Shavuos is a time we just had last week, and it's the Yom Tov where we're given the Torah anew, and we're meant to rededicate ourselves to it. And Balshantos Yorzeit. And Balshantos Yorzeit. So we were talking about the idea that it's not enough just to have this feeling of, you know, it's a mitzvah, so I have to learn. That's important. It's a mitzvah, i got to learn Torah. But really, you're supposed to develop an appreciation to learn Torah and an enjoyment. And really, that's a, a Jew, that, that should be a Jew's hobby. Like, you have some extra time. What is a Yid able to do? You're able to take out a safer and learn, whether it's a Gemara, whether it's Hasidus, whatever it is. And that should be something that should give us simcha, not only something that we do as a, as a responsibility or a chore. So I told them that uh, I had just last week a very beautiful story that happened. Daniel knows my father. So maybe some of you have met him. So he, um, I have a sister who lives in Skokie. And she, uh, Slavitsky, I don't know if anyone knows. So she gave birth uh, last week, or two weeks ago, to a, to a baby girl. So my mother came in to help. She was here before the birth and during and afterward. So my father wanted to come in for Shabbos. But um, you know, my father's not very, very young. He's definitely older than me. <laughs> um, and for him to drive, you know, for him to drive from Detroit to here, it's a good five-hour drive, and it's not easy. To do it himself. Normally, if he goes, my mother, they, they spell each other, but it's not easy. So he was looking for someone who would drive with him. Someone else who would come and just drive, you know, drive the car with him to Chicago. Um, but he couldn't, wasn't finding someone. So I called him on Thursday night and I said, Tana, what's the story? Did you find someone? Are you able to come? So he says, I, I could not find someone, but I figured out how I can come. I came up with a Pashta idea. I said, what is it? So he says, you know, the drive is so hard and it's taxi, the drive for five hours straight. So what I'll do is, I'll take along a pile of my sforim. And after two hours, if I'm tired, and it's difficult, I stop off in a rest area, I'll learn for an hour or two, which is so refreshing, and then I'll get back in the car and I'll drive right. <laughs> and then, you know, if I get tired again, I'll stop off again, I'll learn for another hour or two, and then I'll be able to drive. And that was how he was able to deal with the problem. Because, you know, it's hard to do something. It's hard, it's generous. But if you do something you're enjoying, you refresh yourself. <laughs> That's the type of simcha, and that was, his, that was his way of dealing with the problem. You know, if you have a hard car ride, no problem. He came in with 10 swarms to the car. So you always, you can stop off and do something refreshing on the way. So that's the type of simcha, if, mitzvah, if, we, if we do simcha, mitzvahs or Torah as a chore, so it's another chore. But if something that gives us simcha, so it refreshes, it awakens, it gives me kayaf to continue my next, uh, my next ride. So that told us the Bachram and Shavuos. So he came... 17 hours later, he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the funny thing is, later, actually, later that night, you got to call, someone else did drive with him. So he, uh. he came with the second driver. But this was his way of dealing with the problem. And it's, uh, of course he found another driver once he came up with, uh, <laughs> with an idea. I like think the, the, the Sahara sent the other driver. I'm not going to have this person <laughs> learning so much. <laughs> but uh, if you know my father, that story is perfectly typical for him. Yeah, that's that's where his whole nice his whole enjoyment is there. So, if he has if he, things are difficult, no problem. You pull out a skipper for an hour, and then everything's good. You start over again. Anyhow, so he says back to our tiny. So he says here. Oh, I want one more point. A very powerful point he's going to say now, which is, what type of love stays contained in the godly soul and doesn't spread into the animal soul? 
And what type of love of Hashem spills over and transforms the animal soul? So he says something very, again, he says it in short, but it's a very powerful idea. There's two types of love. One is what's typically called the love of thirst, of desire. I want something, I'm thirsting for it, I'm desiring for it. Imagine a person has that feeling of thirsting and desiring to connect to Hashem. Very powerful love. That's one love. What's another type of love? What's the opposite of that? Let's think for a minute. There's the love of thirst and desire. What would be another um, type of love? When you're already there. Excellent. And that would be called, in Hasidic terminology, the love of? Of tainug. Ava bitainugim. The pleasure of connection. Think about it. The love of desire and the love of pleasure. What's the difference between desire and pleasure? Pleasure is, is experiential and desire is... Want. Desire is when I feel the distance. I feel the distance. I want. I'm yearning. I'm waiting. That's the distant one. And the pleasure is... I feel the closeness. I'm just loving every second of being here. I don't need to go anywhere in the world. I'm happy. Right? Which love will have the ability to transform the animal soul, to make a balchuv out of the animal soul? Enjoyment. The enjoyment. Because the animal soul loves enjoyment. Give me a good time. The animal soul is not going to have a thirst for Hashem. He doesn't talk that language. But if you're able to explain to the animal soul that Hashem is, is chocolate... Right, that, that, that that's the thing that will make me happy and refreshed and energized, I'm all for it. So really what the godly soul wants, the, the game, this is, he, he's spilling the secrets here. He says, the game plan of the godly soul is that I shouldn't just have the nafshi, the thirst for Hashem and desire for Hashem, but I should be able to actually feel the pleasure of relationship with Hashem and Torah and mitzvahs. And in that way, I'm able to spill that over to the animal soul as well. And that's what he says here. Vahainu. Um, um, I think I'm six lines from the bottom of the page. Or set, make that seven. It says, v'yagia. That one should ascend and reach reach a level of tremendous love and greater fondness to reach a higher level than the burning, fiery desire. What am I looking for? This is called the Ava of pleasure. The, the pleasure that one is able to feel in their relationship. Like some, some of you might say, Zmiris and Shabbos, and you talk about that that, that um, pleasure. Like Oilam Lisanig Betanugim, right? Like in Oilam Haba. That level of pleasure, who bemoyach a chachma vesechel, really that's in the mind. That's able to understand and is able to derive that pleasure. From their understanding and knowledge of Hashem, according to his level of, of wisdom and understanding, that's the water, the zera irzarua, the plant, the, the seeds that are planted. He doesn't explain what he's referring to. Shabikdushas nefesh that's in the holiness of the godly soul. that's able to transform to goodness and holiness as bechinas hamayim. The waters of the animal soul. Shemihem ba'u taivas tanugoi olam hazem mitchila 
from which come the, the desires of the animal soul. It's written in Yitzchayim, Sharnun Perigimel B'Shem Azoyer. That's the Yitzchayim, uh, again, who's uh, the Arizal's writings, which writes in the, in the name of the Zohar. Shahara Nepach Liyoyz Toiv Gomor Kumayetzer Toiv Mamash. That the, the, the bad, the, the, the negative within a person is able to be transformed to be completely good, just like a Yetzer Toiv. Bahasir Habgodim Hatsoyim Mimene. When you remove the soiled garments from it. In other words, and again, I'm, I'm being repetitious, the animal soul is the power of desire. Desire in and of itself is not bad. The question is, in what is the desire enclosed? Mm-hmm. But if I'm able to remove all of the soiled garments, I have a raw power of desire. And here's the thing. Hasidah says, when the animal soul gets on board, the animal soul's desires are stronger than the godly soul's desires. Why would that be? Why would the animal soul's power of desire be stronger than the godly soul's power of desire? Because the animal soul is seated in the heart. Remember, the godly soul started here. The animal soul started here. So once the godly soul makes the animal soul about tshuva, so the, the, the love that this person is going to experience to Hashem is so much greater, so much more powerful. Right? When I'm able to also, remove... Also, the hate is also really so much stronger. The hate to that which is not good. Right. And that's why Itake says that about Shuva is able to experience a more powerful level of emotional relationship to Hashem than a tzaddik. Because he's coming from there. And that's what he says, when you're able to remove those soiled garments, shame tanugelam hazeh, which is the pleasures of the worldly, shumilubash that the animal souls enclosed in them. So all of this is about love. The same as with all of the emotions in the heart. All emotions ultimately are considered branches of fear and of love. Should be only for Hashem. Remember, this entire chapter we're talking about the quest of the godly soul. Right? We have this war going on. We have the city. That's my body. Godly soul, animal soul. They're warring. The godly soul wants that it should be the victor, it should control my body, including the feelings of my animal soul. V'chol, he's continuing, he's relentless. What should, what should I be talking about? What does the godless soul want to talk about? Again, Torah, Tefillah, good things about other people. And the mind should be in the, in the brain. You mimuloim should be filled. With the garments of the thought and speech of the godly soul alone, the thoughts about Hashem, and His Torah. I want to talk the entire day words of Torah. Says about the greatest Sadiqim in the Gemara that you never caught them talking idle chatter. They were talking to the Torah. They wouldn't, you know, sit down, let's schmooze, let's talk about the latest scores. They weren't interested. You talk the words of terror, words of inspiration. The should be a dying, the power of action on the hands, the machivarv, and all the limbs of the person. should be in the actions of mitzvahs. the third garment, the garment of action of the godly son. So, in about fifty or sixty lines. The Altar described what the godly soul wants. What does it want? Total control. 
That's what it wants. The godly soul wants full control of my body. It wants the heart. It wants the eyes. It wants the thoughts. It wants the speech. It wants everything to be God. What, is it, what are the animal soul? Same. The same except the exact opposite. And that's what the last two lines of the chapter are. The animal soul that comes from Klippa, places of impurity, what does it want? The exact opposite. The same thing, just exactly the opposite. It wants full control. It wants that what should my mind be filled with? How to attain physical pleasures. What should my eyes look for? Physical pleasures. What should my hands be involved with? What to make me happier? Selfish. Pleasure. That's what the animal soul is looking for. You understand, this is a war that these two sides are never going to make peace. They want two opposite things. One wants godliness. One wants selflessness. One wants selfishness. One wants pleasure. And making, that's not, the struggle. It's not making peace. It changed it. It changed it to be get uh, It didn't. It's not making peace that, okay, you know what? I like this and this. <laughs> it's saying that I'll make peace when you'll be like me. This not, you know, it's, not, it's not coexistence. Maybe that's why Hashem made a neck. So when the channels of the mind and the heart travel against each other, they could go on like far apart. But Hashem's like, come closer. So when you fight, at least you're close. Maybe eventually you come okay. to each other. Okay, okay, MS, MS. But here, he, well, let's just finish the last line of the period. Are we, are we over our time? What time is it here? Okay, another two minutes. This is the last line. Why did Hashem make us an animal soul that wants the opposite? Why do we have to go through all that? So what did you say before? He said that the animal soul is also servant of Hashem, right? And that's true. Why did Hashem create an entity within me that should every day tell me, let's go out and be selfless. Let's take care of my pleasure. Let's take care. Why is that there? So the Atarebbe in this last line mentions a very powerful mushal analogy or metaphor from the Zohar, from Shum Bar Yechai. And the Zohar says... Ahmadikisufa? No, different one. The Zohar says that there was a king, and the king had a prince. And the king wanted to test the prince's morals to make him a strong person, right? Everyone can be strong when they're not tested. But when are we really strong? When we're tested and we show our strength. And the, the prince is going to be the crown prince. He's going to be the king one day. So the king has to really put him through the ringer, right? Make him, make him worthy of his position. So what did the king do? This comes from Rishun, only Rishun Barichai can say this. The king hired a zaina, a, har, a, how do you say, a harlot. Right. A, har- har- a harlot, right? Harlot. Yeah. To try to seduce the king's son to sin. Why? In order to bring out his inner strength and he should be able to overcome the challenges and be that much of a stronger person. And Hashem creates within us that same thing. That's our Yitzhahara. Hashem creates within us something that's always saying, maybe, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. Giving us the ability to overcome it, giving us the ability to become so much more powerful and worthy of so much more bracha and reward of Hashem because we're tested. We're not just good because we have no other choice. We're not, angels are also good. But angels are good without a Yetzirah. Like, no big deal. We are, when we're good, it's because we worked on it, because we, we were able to overcome that battle of the souls. And that's what he says in the last line. This entire challenge and battle is ultimately for the good of man. That one should be able to should overcome those desires. And be, to be victorious. Like the marshal of that zayna, that harlot in the, Zayar, in the holy zayar, 
that explains to us that that's why Hashem gives us these challenges. He always gives us the ability to overcome the challenge. And the challenge is there in order to give us the opportunity to realize our inner strength and overcome that and be that much more worthy to them. And that's chapter 9 of Tanya. The, this is the chapter that discusses the actual struggle, what they're looking for. And that's 9. The next chapter starts about, okay, now that I know the struggle, the overcoming, the next chap- chapter is devoted to Tzadikim, the following Rishon, as we'll see as we go on in our session. Thank you. Very welcome. So next week, it's down the block. What's the address? You'll be posted that day, right? Yeah, yeah.